and welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our special guest author is Sister Faustina Maria Pia, Sisters of Life from New York City. Uh, and the book is Jesus I Trust in You, a 30-day personal retreat with the litany of trust. And it's published by Emmaus Road Publishing from the St. Paul Center and available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com. All things Catholic. Welcome, sister. Thank and as you. people could see, uh, we taped this uh, program a while back mm -hmm. when we were uh, for Ash Wednesday, mm -hmm. as opposed to when it's actually airing, though it'll be on the, on the web sooner than that. So it's great to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. great. It's always great yeah. to see the Sisters of Life. I'm lucky enough to have been in New York when it was founded and, mm -hmm. and the great work you've done over the years and the great inspiration mm -hmm. uh, that you give so many of us, you know, reminding us there's something else going on in there. Have you always trusted Jesus? I wish I could say yes, but um, I think trust is something that we're, it's built in us. I can explain more about that, but mm -hmm. it is a journey. It's a journey because we live in a broken world where love is not perfect. It's quite messy and we've desire this eternal love and yet what we often experience on a mm. human level even in good families is yeah that breakdown of that trust through you know betrayals right. or you know broken promises things like that and not only in the in personal levels but in large-scale mm. levels so now you grew up in, in Connecticut right yes now and and your name's Faustina okay mm -hmm. uh, but yet instead of going up to Stockbridge you ended up in New York why mm -hmm. why, why didn't you write a book about something to do with pro-life work or yes it's um, a great question well as sisters of life I think the biggest way we use that word life is really Jesus who is encompasses eternal life and not just the physical life mm -hmm. um, and for me mercy is a real life it's giving us life when we're dead from sin so it's very much connected I was a nurse before I entered I thought I w if I was gonna be a sister I would definitely do nursing I love being with the sick and uh, really held to that. But when I met the Sisters of Life, I realized God wants more than just helping somebody at a sick bed with an IV. Of course, that's an avenue to be mm -hmm. a part of their healing. But I want to be part of the deeper healing, to bring life to a heart that was dead inside. Maybe they're walking around on the street, but they were, they're, right. they're really, you know, um, done inside. So for me, it's a beautiful overlap of, of real life. Is this experience of mercy? Now you lay this out as a 30-day personal mm -hmm. retreat, and you kind of format each chapter that way. Mm -hmm. How did you decide to format it that way? Yeah, it took a lot of thought and prayer. I wasn't sure, but uh, in each invocation of the litany, which I think is a beautiful way to lay out the book, I wanted to give um, a way to enter into it. And I thought the first part is just a general way to relate to the human heart. The struggle of trust is real. I think we would be dying something, saying you know, a truth if we thought it was easy. And so the first part articulates a little bit of why that's hard, and not that we're bad, we're good, we're deeply good, it's like God made us, we're made in His image. And so when we experience the struggle, sometimes we just blame ourselves and we're immediately discouraged. So just to relate and say, hey, even saints and the stories that I tell, people struggle with that. Um, at the same time, to show Jesus' perspective was extremely important to me because um, just like in other relationships, if we don't stop to hear their side, we'll never get to know their heart, get to know the person. We can make judgments from the outside, assuming that oh, they're acting this way, or you know, we maybe we show love in different ways. Mm -hmm. But to hear their side, God deserves uh, to be trusted, right. and so to share a little bit of His perspective is important from the same angle, from His earthly life and the experience of yeah, how He communicates. Um, this invitation to trust, which is the last part. 
right. how we can apply it a little bit more tangibly or start to think about how to apply it in our lives. Well, how did you, do, you know, you've got kind of like in the first one, you've got Solanus Casey, and then obviously yes. you, you refer to the scripture mm -hmm. in a sense to the prodigal son, and then mm -hmm. you have the invitation. So how did you decide who the person you would focus on would mm -hmm. be at the beginning of mm -hmm. each chapter and tie that yeah, into yeah. So our I'm, Lord's story and mm -hmm. also the invitation? So I'm a religious sister, and I have working with women who are pregnant. They live with us for a time during their pregnancy and afterwards. So it's a pretty busy life. I didn't have a lot of time, so I looked at this, and I was doing vocations work before that as well, traveling. This is, you know, as COVID was happening, so it slowed down a little bit, a little extra time. But really just sat down. I started my day, prayed, prayed as much of the rosary as I could, all the decades that I could, and sat down, said a prayer, and who came to mind? I just started. Really? I just jumped okay. in, you know. I tweaked some things, but for the most part, you could fit many saint stories in each one. Right. You know, they articulated trust in so many ways, even the same story you could use for different angles. But something that I've learned about trust and about Jesus is that He speaks to us, and we make it complicated. Mm -hmm. So if I was praying, I had to start to trust what was coming to the surface right then. And sometimes I wouldn't even know the connection right away with that chapter, but I was like, you know, mm -hmm. St. Francis is coming in start writing right. and then it would come and I was like this scripture why this scripture the woman at the well for this one and you know whatever it was mm -hmm. I ended up tying together quite neatly it was like somebody was orchestrating it right. from a different angle gotcha. so I'm very pleased that Jesus <laughs> speaks to us right right in the beginning of the book you say for all those who have had their hearts pierced so first have you had yours pierced and does that mean if I haven't had mine I shouldn't <laughs> read this book <laughs> I think there is a special affection in the heart of Jesus for the poor, the least, the last. And if we're honest, I think it's all of us. I say the word pierce because we need our hearts broken open. Um, you know, and it's not a bad thing to be pierced. At the same time, it's, it's very painful. But something about our humanity struggles and fights so hard to be reliant on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when God allows the hearts to be pierced through a pain or a suffering that's very mysterious and often you know, not, no fault of our own, mm -hmm. that opens up a new doorway to be transformed to find the life that we've always wanted, mm -hmm. um, that we would have never searched for mm -hmm. had we not been hurting or on our knees. So I definitely have had my heart pierced, you know. Um, no one's life is perfect and I think when you're younger and you experience the suffering, it's even more confusing, you mm -hmm. know. But I can see God's fidelity in striking ways to say, my goodness, um, it is truly through mm -hmm. the, the struggle and the suffering that I came to know that Jesus' love was really real. Right. It wasn't something fake. It wasn't words. Um, he touched me. He changed me. I look at the moms that we serve, these heroic women who have chosen life. And they're shocked and they're surprised as people see it when they, they see their child and they're like, this new love emerges from me. In this experience of an encounter right. with a person, it changes them. There's no other explanation than another person has entered their life that this love has emerged. Right. I feel that with Jesus, that, you know, something difficult happens and when we go to God, mm -hmm. this new love emerges in that encounter and there's no other explanation that I have encountered somebody. Mm -hmm. And I believe, oh my gosh, this is a real person. This isn't somebody that we read about or we talk about. I'm changed through them. I've experienced a personal love in supporting me, upholding me, mm -hmm. and healing me. Be able to look back and say, oh my gosh, I was so insecure. I was so hypersensitive about this. And then being like, over time, experiencing His mm -hmm. love and sitting in His presence, getting to know Him, 
that fear is, is falling away, you know. So I definitely think uh, it it is a beautiful yeah, place right. of starting that Well, you, you talk about uh, with the litany of trust. Now, is the litany, of, you say, I heard not with my ears, but in the silence of my heart, mm -hmm. three words, litany of trust. So is this something that you developed yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was in the convent for several years and named for St. Faustina, who, of course, a lot of her message is about um, telling the world that God's merciful right. and to trust and that. Trusting. And trust right. that. So right. Right. here I am named after her, and uh, she's a very faithful friend. Mm. And I had a really hard time in a certain situation that came up. Uh, I felt uh, very confused about what to do, and when I went to pray about it, very unclear, mm -hmm. like a, a real dark place. You were place. looking for clarity, as yes, you said. Yes, right, for right. clarity. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I started to ask, maybe for the first time, really honestly, what does it mean to trust? I actually don't know what that means. And I felt like, is this some sort of passive surrender where I lose my voice and my, my intellect, or you know, mm -hmm. what happens now? And that wrestling brought me to a place one night where I was in my room, and mm -hmm. we have a very simple room in the convent with a crucifix, which I absolutely love, the simplicity of that. And having this, having this out with Jesus, in a way, saying, I, I just wish what I knew what you were doing. If I could understand it, then I could kind of jump in, but I have, I have no idea what you're doing. I don't know how mm -hmm. I'm supposed to say yes here. And it was a tender but strong um, move on Jesus, and I felt like mm -hmm. the closest thing I could think of was that he lifted my chin to almost look at him, like mm -hmm. I hadn't been looking at him in a way, and say, you know, I don't want your yes to go to a bunch of circumstances, right, that you right. just understand things, and then What's, what, what is that, you know, I want your yes to come to me, I want you to trust me as a person. Something resonated so deep on that level that this is what my heart is made for. This is what the human heart is made for, to live a love um, that is trust. Right, you say, rather than consenting to any plan, my plan, or the plan proposed by others, I was consenting to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I could feel his desire for that. Mm -hmm. I felt uh, like an affirmation of my whole dignity in that, um, that he wasn't looking down at me, that I was questioning him, or that I was being so fickle. Mm -hmm. I felt a real beautiful call to this capacity. I felt like it went from a cramped space to this wide open space. I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this is where I'm made to live. So. Well, you talk about in the introduction, making an allusion to trust and mercy, was mm -hmm. popular today as tape recorders and fax machines. <laughs> I don't know if you're old enough to even remember this. I am. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you talk about later on unfulfilled promises, the abuse of authority, encountering our own mm -hmm. limitations, as mm -hmm. well as betrayals on personal and corporate levels, can all fuel a strong distrust. Mm -hmm. Can trust once broken be restored in a culture mm -hmm. ravaged by dishonesty and relativism? Is it even desirable to trust? What's mm -hmm. your answer? It's a great question. A lot of people ask it. On the streets of New York, people tell me all the time, sister, I don't trust anybody, mm -hmm. you know? And that's their, you know. And New Yorkers, we yeah. just keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> if they talk and to you, keep walking. Yes, and in all fairness, all right. I get it. You know, they're, they're, I've heard so many stories and we've all experienced pain mm -hmm. that really can shut us down in mm -hmm. fear and self-protection. Um, I love the gospel. I think it's John 5 where Jesus is going and he sees this man for 38 years by that pool that, that has the, the, the healing powers. And he says that confusing statement, do you want to be healed? Of course, Jesus, do you want to be healed? But I think that that's a really good question, and I, I've, I've thought about that too in this type of scenario, that you know, someone who has been hurt so deeply, um, sometimes we receive a certain kind of edge on, on, on tending to that mm. and uh, a little bit of a, a safe spot that we get comfortable with. 
even though the deepest desire of our heart is to be healed so to really ask like do i really want to be healed because jesus really wants to heal us this is possible we're not made to live held back fear makes us do a lot of evil and bad things that we would never want to do but love comes in and really can cast that out Um, you know john says so i think that um, the disposition of uh, a humility and honesty with this that Jesus draws out when he asks that question he wants us to like open up that desire to be healed that is a huge disposition to be actually stepping into the graces that Jesus already has for us mm-hmm. and you talk about the idea I like to picture the heart with two openings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. what do you mean I'm a visual person so I do like <laughs> things to be simplified in, in that way but it just is this image of a heart where one side we receive all this love that God has given us and and giving us his own life, breathing his own life into us. And the other side, another opening for us to be a vessel of that love to others, that Mm -hmm. we are made in the image of a um, Trinitarian God who is, yeah, not solitary, Mm -hmm. who is, his very nature is this relational quality of giving love and receiving love. And likewise, something of us that's true to our nature comes alive in receiving love and in sharing that love. Of course, through the unique prism of my heart versus another heart. And uh, I think that helps understand what trust is because uh, it's not defined in the catechism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not a, a word that we're used to as far as a virtue that's art- you know, specifically articulated, but trust is this um, what allows our hearts to stay open to this flow of love mm-hmm. so that we can receive who we are, which is, which is what God has given us, the gift of his love. That's my identity, that I'm a beloved daughter or son and that we can keep our hearts open to love in a generous way because God has loved us in a way that we don't deserve, that's his mercy, that I can give that to others right. that, that I think don't deserve it or haven't earned it. Well, it's interesting too because in, in going through the, the, the 30 different days mm-hmm. you're having, the first one is from belief that I have to earn your love, deliver mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. Jesus. How did you decide what the order was? How did they build yeah. one on top of the other and why did you pick Solanus Casey as an yeah. example of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, to be entirely honest, I didn't think about for the invocations which should go first. Mm. I just started writing. Just came them. out. <laughs> so, there so when it you is. sat through and edited, did you reorient them? Or I didn't. Re- I didn't. So that night when it. the inspiration came, I had to, had my journal. I wrote it out, and I knew that the litany of humility had those deliver me statements, kind of the casting out. But when we cast something out, we need to fill it in, you know. And so, I love that that format. But I really didn't You're think right. about too much. But I do think God did think about it because that earning love is so, so much um, a wedge in our hearts, mm-hmm. especially in our culture, that our entire association with love is about deserving it. Mm-hmm. And that's not from God, you know? And so the understanding that St. Therese had and so many of the saints feels so radical and refreshing to us because they're not coming from that perspective. Right. You said we <laughs> so often think that he'll only love us when we get over that bad habit. <laughs> make more time for family, let go of that grudge, etc. Yet there's nowhere in the gospel it says that. And you go on to say, how did I become the judge of what God loves? Yeah, yeah, I, and this is, this is the truth. So many parables that Jesus talks, like the generous landowner that pays somebody at the last minute, like, golly, that's all of us, you know? We don't deserve anything. God owes us nothing. Mm-hmm. He gave us his life and he, he invites us to eternal life with him. So this generosity of God, mm-hmm. I love to think about, you know, most people would agree I think that um, life isn't fair. 
and you know there'd probably be two two groups of people out there for the most part you know those who are like I got the short end of the stick you know life has just been way too hard on me and other people are like I I got it good and God has been too good to me mm-hmm. and every single you get saint, nervous every single <laughs> waiting saint, for what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> but every single saint is on that side saying God right. no matter what the circumstances of their life God has been too good to me right. he's been too good to me why because his love they can see at work in everything mm-hmm. and everything and, and trust really allows us to have that because yeah whether I do what I think is worthy of love God's still loving me right. he still treats me with the dignity even when I have failed him miserably mm-hmm. and that awakens a truth in us that's very sturdy in the invitation on the first one which is the end of that that section you talk about myriad of self-help books and you say the yeah. problem with self-help books is it's precisely about self why is that a problem <laughs> um, there's something freeing when we look at God, and I think that is so important that when we are trying to become holy, trying to get over the habit, there's so much focus on what I'm doing and how I'm making it happen, that when we hit our own poverty, which is a good thing, and it's, it's par for the course, then we give up because we can't surmount what only God can, which He's our Savior, He's our Redeemer, and He's waiting for us to surrender to Him. And that is when we can receive um, the gift of being transformed. So when we're stuck in this self-help world, uh, we might never get to that place where God gives us another way. We don't see the other way, you know. And so we're, we're stuck in that place of frustration because, you know, like Judas, he's like, when I can't change what I've done, then it's over. It's interesting, too, because in that chapter, it rolls into the other one. You talk about the there's hardly more tangible way to encounter the Father's unconditional mm-hmm. love than through the sacrament of confession. Yeah. This, in the next section, you talk about repentance clears the path and the heart to receive more mm-hmm. love. We all are in need of repentance of our own sin. Then you mm-hmm. also talk about the fact that adoration awakened a deep thirst within you to be loved. Mm-hmm. How so? Yes, it's so true. There's something so mysterious in Jesus' presence uh, in, in the Eucharist, and it cannot be explained. It needs to be experienced. And I absolutely love that. I love that you just go in and you don't have to say anything. It's quiet. First, you're just sitting with your own thoughts, and then you start to realize there's another person coming into your thoughts. And there's a peace there that you can't create. Mm-hmm. And there's a draw to come back. Um, this is beautiful. This is beautiful and stunning. And the freedom to feel what you feel in that place, right. it awakens something as it did in me. Confession, I think, is really big. Um, something that I think a lot of people puts them on edge, and um, yet. Jesus speaks about it a lot with St. Faustina, her diary, which I'm very familiar about, coming to the sacrament with trust, and that really it comes back to the, the humility of saying, I, I can't do this on my own, that, that's rejecting that self-reliance to say, mm-hmm. if I come to you as a child, are you really going to be upset at me if I'm all muddy? Don't you like to clean me off like I'm still your child? Like My dignity has, is still seen through this piercing beauty of, of your merciful love, and so to come to confession, and to give it a shot, to go with courage right. and say it, to not make excuses for ourselves, the freedom of that, tasting that, and tasting the love, the affirmation, that undeserved love is so restorative to our soul. And it steadies us for the road ahead mm-hmm. to say, I'm not going to wait two months next time I fall. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go quicker, right. and I'm going to be more sincere, and I'm going to have a firmer resolve 
I don't want to live like this. Right. Day eight from anxiety about the future. Deliver me, Jesus. You have a story actually about your foundress's family. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the invitation you talk about, is God asking too much? Mm -hmm. God does not want us to fear the future. When I catch myself in a negative spiral of <laughs> thoughts about the future, can I remember he's only asking me to live today? So mm -hmm. kind of living in the present moment. Mm -hmm. I know Mother Angelica always yeah. talked about that. Yeah, yeah I love that. And today is all we have, of course. Um, is God asking too much? Again, this is, there's a certain humility. I think humility and trust really work together to say, I don't know how to get where I'm going. You know, we have all these plans and they might be good plans for the future. A lot of attachments, I, I want, you know, this for my family and, and this to do even good things for others. But even that attachment can be a reliance on self, mm -hmm. you know, and so, a certain freedom of saying, if, if I'm trying and trying and something's not working out or uh, it's clearly beyond my control, mm -hmm. am I open to standing in the present moment and, and kind of the, the lack of control that I feel there to say, okay, God, you're right. doing something. Uh, and, and Mary is a huge model for that, Blessed right. Mother as well. Right. I, I don't know how this is going to transpire, right. but you're here. Right. Um, but the story of Silas Casey there with God asking too much. Right. In poverty, you'd be like, yeah. He might, it might feel like it, but if God is asking it, do I really think it's too much? It, would he ask too much of me? Right. And he knows what's best. You say, if we live out of the wounds of our past, it holds us back from living mm -hmm. and loving in our day-to-day -day life now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever do that? Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I think all of us can look at honest, right. uh, or, you know, how our relationships are in our present day and can trace things back to right. decisions we made or th actions that were taken, either things that happened to us or choices that we've made. And God has a lot of space for us. He's right. very merciful, but right. it's it holds us back for sure. You say, be compassionate to those around you as everyone is suffering something and we do not mm -hmm. know what others are carrying. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times we we see their <laughs> Facebook page or, yeah. or their TikTok and these people are living the, yeah. the yeah. great, great mm -hmm. life and you yeah. find out later Mm -hmm. They've got plenty of other things they're dealing with. And that's a huge part of, of right. our reality at work. And you f the one time you do find out about something, you feel awful. You feel awful for that short word and that, that lack of patience, yeah. You say, have you experienced goodness that inspired you to spread it? Have you encountered a truth that helped reveal itself to, to you? Or beauty that pierced your heart? Have you received a love that made the whole world seem new? Once we have our time, we'll never be the same. Did you, you have that experience? Absolutely. Which is what you were describing, Absolutely. right? So many times. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like him. And the experience of him in real time is is worth everything. And it does give a value to today to say, I, I want others to taste this. I want mm -hmm. them to have it forever. Did you ever think God was setting you up for failure? <laughs> um, you know, I was surprised when I was being called to be a sister, mm -hmm. and I thought I didn't really have gifts for that, but, and, and many other things, you know, he asks us to do things out of our comfort zone, but it stretches our heart, and it shows a real belief that he believes in our capacity, so mm -hmm. looking back, I, I think I, I'm very honest with him, so I do wrestle with him still to this day here and there, but um, no, mm -hmm. I, I now have I don't believe that. In the invitation on day 13, you say, many mm -hmm. of us in our culture know the experience of being at the point of death interiorly. Mm -hmm. What did you mean? Yeah, so this meaning that my life has no meaning, um, mm -hmm. this temptation to be like, it is no use to love mm -hmm. because it is a struggle to keep going every day. Um, things are against us to choose to love, to choose to believe the truth because the culture is so strong against that. Mm -hmm. So. 
um, maybe not something as serious, um, but even something passive right. to be like, oh, if I just, if this was just all over, you know? Right. I think that's very real. Being overwhelmed. overwhelmed. And at day 15, discouragement, you say, humble people are not surprised or deterred by their weaknesses mm -hmm. because they know they are but limited creatures before God. Yeah, it's the freedom. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the total perk of humility, the freedom of the children of God. Yeah, so it's expected. We, we know we're going to have confession, and it is a gift. You say, when we experience discouragement because of our sins, we need to reconsider temptations from the right perspective. How do you reconsider <laughs> temptations from the right yeah. perspective? Yeah, I think for me, when I would experience certain temptations, whether or not I even consented to them, but just the onslaught of it can immediately make me think I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And that is what the devil wants us to believe. So if we realize that, oh my gosh, this is a chance to choose God, this is a chance to love Him, um, that's a great perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, this is something that can actually give God glory. Now, have you gotten used to not having braces on? Yes. <laughs> did it really bother you when they first came off? It did. I was oh. shocked by it because when I got them on, I, I hated them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I felt like they were part of me. It was, it was a funny feeling. You talk about the example as being getting used to who God created you to be. Yes, yes. So sin can become such a part of our habits that we feel like it's natural to us. Mm -hmm. And the tendency is strong, and with habit it's very strong. It has a, a force to it, but that's not true to our nature. And so at first, pushing that off can feel like we're doing some sort of violence to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But it's actually the right path to freedom, to becoming who we truly are. Now, for you, uh, in our closing moments, is there a saint who had similar struggles as you, do you think? I, I love St. Faustina. I think she, um, you know, she only went to school till third grade. I, I went beyond that. But there's a certain simplicity to her that mm -hmm. I really relate to. And she had a lot of fear, even in right face to face with Jesus. Right. She, would, she would tell him things. And she gave me the courage to be honest, mm -hmm. which is the huge pathway of trust. So let me ask you, just before we go, how long did it actually take you from the time you decided to write this book okay. to actually get it written? It was about a year, but I had only certain pockets, like three weeks here or mm -hmm. two weeks there to work on it. But it was a lot of prayer and thought. Did you think you were writing a book? I knew I was writing a book. I was you asked, did. yeah. Yeah, in religious life, we, yeah, we know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a gift, and God knew. And I received a very clear confirmation in my heart right. that this was part of my mission. Well, I'll tell you, Sister Faustina Maria Pia of the Sisters of Life, Jesus, I trust in you, a powerful 30-day personal retreat with the Litany of Trust, which I had never heard about. But uh, I tell you, you got some great insights in there. Thank you. And uh, you do a wonderful job of presenting it and representing the sisters. So again, look for this book available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic. And uh, look for it on demand as well. And I'm Doug Keck. Join us next time right here on Book One.